This is Generation Justice, a multimedia project that trains youth to harness the power of media. I'm Ariana Cordova. And I'm Edgar Cruz. The 2018 legislative session closed late last week. Tonight, we take a look at what was accomplished and what bills are sitting before the governor at this time. We speak with Jessica Lopez-Collins and Lance Senna of Strong Families New Mexico to discuss this year's session. And we'll hear from Jessica Cowdery, the Public Policy Director of Catholic Health Institute St. Joseph's Children, also known as CHI St. Joseph's Children. Jessica brings us an analysis of the health care bill, the resolution that would allow us citizens to vote on the use of the Land Trust Fund. To take us through our song selections tonight, here is Malik Jabber, our music host. Thank you, Adiana. In the spirit of empowerment through community, here is Power to the People by John Lennon. Strong Families New Mexico was a program of Forward Together that brings together organizations and activists statewide to build strong communities and create policies that work for our families. Jessica Lopez-Collins is the program director for Forward Together and Strong Families New Mexico. She works to ensure that the Strong Families Network is vibrant and connected statewide. Len Senna is a board member of the Asian American Association of New Mexico and is involved in nonprofit organizing with other groups like Be The Match, a bone marrow donor organization. Here to speak with Jessica and Lan is longtime GJ member Bayan Jabber. Hello, Generation Justice fam. This is Bayan Jabber, and today I have the honor of speaking with the wonderful Jessica Lopez Collins, who is the New Mexico Program Director at Strong Families New Mexico, as well as I'm also speaking with the great Lan Senna, who is a board member of the Asian American Association of New Mexico and a healthcare leader with New Mexico Together for Healthcare. Welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you for being here today. Can you please tell us a little bit more about yourselves? Sure. Thank you for having us on this evening. Uh, So I've been working with Strong Families New Mexico for a little over two years now. And um, I'm also a mama of two very energetic children. And um, before working with Strong Families New Mexico, a program of Forward Together, I worked um, for about 12 years in the media justice sector and worked um, educating people across the state and the country um, on media literacy. That's pretty amazing. My name is Lan Senna, and I was born and raised in the land of enchantment. Uh, I always say that I'm a professional patient as I've been battling cancer for the past seven years. Currently, I'm battling Hodgkin's lymphoma for the third time. Well, thank you for both. Thank you to both of you for being here today. Lan, your story is incredibly powerful and is heavily re- reflected in the healthcare focus at the legislative session and the advocacy day that uh, Strong Families New Mexico holds. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and any healthcare updates for New Mexico? So after battling cancer for so long, um, cancer unfortunately isn't something new to my family. And uh, I was originally diagnosed in 2011, but you know, healthcare policy has always been a center focus of mine. And 
giving affordable quality health care to all New Mexicans, all New Mexicans has been really important as I've been, you know, unfortunately underinsured at times in my life. So having being involved with strong families is really crucial. Uh, they showed me that I've been the advocate that I've always wanted to be mm-hmm. and that uh, they've really nurtured my voice so that I can pass um, policies such as the House Memorial 9 and the Senate Memorial 3 that looked into a Medicaid buy-in study. And that was passed in both houses, and it is now um, in place to study what uh, affordable quality health care could look like for New Mexicans. It's definitely some incredible and important work. Um, speaking about updates, what else has Strong Families been working on this session? Yeah, and so again, just that that Medicaid buy-in study was the um, the number one piece of legislation that we were really focused on um, because 180,000 people right now in New Mexico are uninsured. And we really know and believe that everyone deserves quality, affordable health care. So um, health care access for everyone is really important to forward together. And also, um, you know, safe communities and family recognition because our families in New Mexico come in all shapes and sizes. So some of the other legislation we were focused on was, of course, budget related because this was a budget session. So every other year, it's a 30-day session at the legislature, and they... Um, still run all types of bills, but of course, we're just really f- focused on um, creating a budget um, for New Mexico. We did see um, an increase in, um, regarding safe communities, we saw an increase in uh, funds for sexual assault prevention and domestic violence prevention, um, more funding going to things like behavioral health, um, which can all um, be a piece of making uh, New Mexico communities safer. So yeah. that was really important to us. And also, we were tracking over 200 bills. So, of course, not enough time here to talk about all the bills and where they went and how far they got. Um, But we uh, were also tracking, you know, some broadband bills. Um, I know that Generation Justice has been working on that issue, and it's really important to us as well because we work with rural communities across the state who again and again tell us how important Internet access is. And it's also connected, you know, to healthcare access, Right. right? Being able to be online and look up health information or find a doctor and and find what you find what you need to both survive and thrive, and so um, there were um, a couple of infrastructure bills um, that would really help people in rural parts of our state have more access to um, high speed internet, which is really great. Right. And so, Lan, um, what is so important about being a constituent um, who goes to the legislative session, and what does that look like? For me, it wasn't uh, something that I really knew about, even though, you know, I have a degree in political science, but I didn't need to use my degree to advocate for policies that I really cared about. I wasn't a paid lobbyist. I actually could just walk into the roundhouse like Mm -hmm. anyone else and talk to any representative or state senator that I wished. And I could really talk to them about issues that I cared about and listen to why they voted a certain way or what they just didn't know about a certain bill. So I was able to go to actually testify in both the House and the Senate about why my story really shows that, you know, even though I had employer-based insurance, uh, I was still at a point underinsured and I could not afford the million dollars that 
was for my chemotherapy. So Mm -hmm. the memorial was able to give me an avenue that I could have the option to buy into a Medicaid system and to look for future solutions for New Mexicans, not just for myself, but for all. So being just a a regular constituent, uh, I could walk into the roundhouse like any other person. And uh, I think that was really incredible experience that everyone should be able to go to and experience for themselves. Right. Can you speak a bit more about the uh, memorial? Yeah, sure. So the memorial actually looked to study what a Medicaid buy-in would look like for New Mexicans uh, with, as Jessica had mentioned, 180,000 New Mexicans are uh, without coverage. And this is with the expansion. This is with um, all the other avenues of purchasing insurance. But, you know, for me, again, I was underinsured. I had employer-based insurance, but I had to consider mortgaging my home and going into bankruptcy just to afford the three milligrams of the chemotherapy that I required. So this memorial would look into greatly improving access to healthcare, mm-hmm. expanding coverage for anyone really that wishes to buy into a system uh, such as that. It would help healthcare providers and hospitals cover more patients uh, and to also ensure companies um, direct patient dollars to medical care. And it helps businesses open up other avenues to affordable coverage options for their employers and for workers. What are some of the challenges that New Mexican families are facing that are representative or represented in this legislative session and that are currently sitting on on the governor's uh, desk? Yeah, so there were about, you know, every session there's over a thousand bills. Right. They get introduced because it was a budget session. Only certain bills were considered germane, meaning they they um, they uh, could move forward at that point. So a lot of great bills were introduced, um, but they just couldn't, you know, just couldn't move forward or ran out of time. And so the, both the House and the Senate passed about f- around 55 bills each. So there's over 100 bills now that are on to the governor. And her deadline is March 7th, mm-hmm. um, you know, for most of those bills to either she'll either veto them or she'll sign them. Something we saw in 2017 was that there were a number of bills, great bills, bills that Strong Families New Mexico, our community members that we work with, um, our organizational partners worked on, that went to the governor, and many of them she vetoed. Well. And so um, <clears throat> there's broadband bills that are um, that are sitting on her desk. There um, is the budget, and that's the biggest thing. House Bill 2 is the budget bill. And so the governor has the power to also line item veto, cross out certain pieces of of the budget. And um, that's really what we're looking at, because the funding I mentioned, you know, for behavioral health, for public schools, Mm -hmm. for for Medicaid, um, all of those are, are important resources that New Mexico families really need to thrive in our state. I know that Strong Families um, um, sends out a report card. Um, can you guys tell us a little bit more about about that? Yeah, so um, we had a legislative advocacy day like we do every year during the session, and about 200 people from across the state come with us to the legislature. And so we have parents and grandparents with babies. We have elders in their 80s, all ages from all across the state. And they are there to talk about the issues that impact their community and their family the most. But also every other year, we do this report card. Mm -hmm. And the report card grades the House and the Senate, and it grades individual legislators on 
key bills that they voted on in 2017. So this year, we passed out those 2017 report cards. We tried to find every legislator we could in the in the roundhouse, in the Capitol building, and um, we delivered them and said, you know, here's, you did great. You voted with families. You got an A or you really didn't vote or voted against um, these really important bills several times, which means that last year you got an F and here's why and here's how you can do better. Yeah. So we have those really direct conversations because for us, civic engagement is all about shortening the distance between community mm-hmm. And the decision makers who impact our everyday lives. And and so the legislative session is one of the places where we shorten that gap, where we shorten that distance, and we can have those really direct conversations and hold legislators accountable. And so the legislative day, Land was there. It was a really powerful day. Um, we did a press conference on the Medicaid buy-in memorial and, and got to talk to legislators um, on a range of issues mm-hmm. that are important to us. In terms of next steps for strong families, what is that looking like and um, what do people need to know and and need to now do um, in terms of next steps? One of the things is they can also register to vote. Uh, that's is really important. We have coming elections and upcoming primaries. Uh, one thing that they can do is also participate with strong families mm-hmm. by texting the word "join" to five zero five six seven two. 5938 to get updates on policies and ways to take actions to support New Mexico families and upcoming events. Um, They would only get about one to two text messages a month. And again, they can text the word JOIN to 505-672-5938. Yeah, and um, our website is forwardtogether.org. You can go to the um, programs page to read about more about New Mexico's work. Sign up there. So we'll be having events and meetings all year long um, to plan for this health care bill that we, you know, um, want to run eventually that would be that would allow everyone in New Mexico to have access to quality, affordable health care. We work on issues around reproductive health, um, safe communities, um, reforming the Albuquerque Police Department, paid sick days for all workers in Albuquerque, a range of issues. So that number that Land read is a great way to sign up to get text messages about um, with policy updates, upcoming events. And there are a lot of different ways to, to get involved mm-hmm. and take action. Um, so either um, by text um, or, or email to contact us. And um, yeah, we... Yeah, I'd love to have any of the listeners um, working alongside us to ensure that all New Mexico families can thrive. Well, thank you so much for such an informative and um, or su- for such informative and um, needed work. Um, is there anything else you guys would like to add on? Sure. So at Strong Families New Mexico, we um, are working to build people power. And um, so the more uh, folks we have with us, we can really make real change. Um, and one of the examples is through our, our healthcare work. And again, shortening that distance between community and decision makers. And then like Land mentioned, register to vote, vote this year. We have a governor um, election and many important elected positions coming up. So it's just really important to vote as well. Thank you so much. Uh, For Generation Justice, I'm Bayan Jabber. Thank you, Lan and Jessica, for that insightful update and for sharing your valuable time with us. Here at Generation Justice, we are grateful for the powerful women putting in work at the legislature. And thank you, Bayan, for conducting that great interview. 
The Medicaid buy-in memorial that Strong Families New Mexico led was done in partnership with the New Mexico Center on Law and Poverty and through the leadership of over a dozen healthcare leaders from across the state. Thank you again, Jessica and Lan. Strong Families advocates for all New Mexicans. To honor Strong Families, here is Alicia Keys with We Are Here. You just heard Everyday People by Sly and the Family Song, a song that celebrates how we are interconnected. Now to continue our legislative recap, we join Jessica Cowdery, the Public Policy Director at CHI St. Joseph's Children. Jessa has been an advocate for the children of New Mexico for several years, and she has been in leadership advocating support of a bill that would open up the permanent land grant fund for early education before the age of five. You know, our babies. Now my co-host Edgar Cruz speaks with Jessa Cowdery. My name is Edgar Cruz and I'm speaking with Jessa Cowdery, the Public Policy Director at Catholic Health Initiatives St. Joseph's Children. Jessa has just finished up another legislative session advocating for the state of New Mexico to consider a constitutional amendment that would bring to the voters the decision to allow for the land grant permanent fund to include zero to five in its support of New Mexico children. Jessa, welcome to Generation Justice. Will you please introduce yourself? Yes, thank you so much for having me on the air. My name is uh, Jessica Cowdery, and I'm the Public Policy Director at CHI St. Joseph's Children, and I've been with the organization uh, for just under three years now. Thank you. Do you want to tell us a little bit of the history of this effort to provide early childhood health um, development for children? Definitely. So we've been a lead organization in a coalition called the Invest in Kids Now Coalition that's been working for over eight years to change the distribution formula of the land-grant permanent fund to include the early years of child development. And we have done an incredible amount of work and research and education with the state and the state legislators on the importance of early childhood development and also just the importance that funding it will, um, will bring to our state. And why is this so important right now? So over the past couple decades, there's been an incredible amount of research that's gone into the importance of the first five years of life. We now know that 90% of the brain develops before children even enter kindergarten. So it's crucial that we are providing the supports that children need to build that strong foundation for the rest of their life. Um, the majority of our investment in the education system starts when they are five, and yet the majority of the brain development happens beforehand. So when we're looking at a state like New Mexico, just last 
week, um, we saw that we have the highest rate of adverse childhood experiences in the country. And these are things like homelessness, lack of food, lack of shelter, a parent who's imprisoned, um, many different things that can literally change the brain structure of the child if they don't have the support and buffering from these that they need. And so programs like home visiting, high quality childcare, high quality preschool can help ensure that children have all of the supports that they need getting going in the first years. So we know that sh- that to change the trajectory of our state um, and the education and the outcomes that we have, we really need to invest upstream to prevent all of the, the problems that we see later on down in, in the life of a child and life of our community members. And what are some of the challenges of getting this resolution out of the legislature and to the voters? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, when we look at a comprehensive system of early childhood, we did a study that the unmet need is about $400 million per year. So when this coalition began to look at ways we could boldly in- invest in a comprehensive system of early childhood, they did an analysis of all the different types of funding that we could plausibly get. And raising taxes is incredibly difficult, nearly impossible. Um, So then they realized after analysis that we actually have a fund dedicated to the education of our children, and it's called the Land-Grant Permanent Fund. And it when we started this campaign was $10 billion and is now over $17 billion. So it's a question of being smart and investing those dollars wisely. Um, And so we have the proposal to invest 1% of this um, into early childhood development. Currently, 5% goes into the K-12 system. Now, the challenges have been that um, the legislators are being gatekeepers, essentially, to allowing this proposal to go to the voters. Because the land-grant permanent fund is governed by the Constitution of New Mexico, it is the voters who have the uh, ultimate say in whether or not we change the distribution formula. So it's the voters who ultimately decide if we change the distribution formula of the land-grant permanent fund. And voters overwhelmingly want to vote on this proposal. So what we're seeing is that we have senators who are blocking it from going to the voters. It made it all the way through the House of Representatives this year and all the way through its first committee in the Senate and this last committee in the Senate the senator, Senator John Arthur Smith, did not give it a hearing. And it's very sad to see this because, you know, he's preventing this um, opportunity from going to the voters. An AP article by Russell Contreras, a journalist, provides a broader view of trying to secure more funds for children in early life. His article aligns the outcome of not getting a bill passed in the New Mexico legislature as tied to institutional racism. Can you talk about this from your perspective? Definitely. So we have been analyzing this bill and this initiative from many different angles since we've been working on it for over eight years. And one of the things that's really um, come to light by looking at the sheer numbers, so if you look at the fact that eight out of 10 children in New Mexico are children of color, so that's either Hispanic, Native American, or African American, that's eight out of 10. So that's the vast majority. So this bill is um, would benefit mostly children of color. So with that, keeping that in mind, and then looking at the, the opposition, right, the flip side, what's, what's keeping it from happening? When I was the expert witness in the Senate Education Committee, and all of those who stood up in favor, there was all different kinds of folks from all across the state representing every different um, group. And then you see the opposition stand up, and they were four white, elderly, wealthy folks. And you say, you know what, this is a manifestation of structural racism that's happening in our state. And 
So we just had to call it for what it is. We have to elevate it. It's not an easy conversation to have, but it is something that is keeping our state from moving forward. And so, you know, it's definitely an issue. And some might say, oh, you know, you're blowing this out of proportion, but all of the leadership in the Senate right now are white folks. And so we need to ensure that we have a diverse set of folks who are you know, representing our diverse state. And, you know, obviously the senators thought it was an issue too because the some of the senators formed a Hispanic caucus. So there's definitely some issues that are that need to be addressed and we need to speak about it and elevate this issue. Um, you know, looking at the, the data, um, the outcomes that we have, 90% of Native American fourth graders are below proficient in reading. 83% of Hispanic fourth graders are below proficient in reading. And that's just not acceptable. And the fourth grade reading data point is really important because it shows the preliteracy skills that they had before fourth grade. And then it also, the fourth grade reading levels determine if they'll graduate from high school or not. And so when we're looking at these, we have to take an active approach in ensuring that we are providing equal access and fairness to every child in New Mexico. Um, but I'll use myself as an example. I'm born and raised native New Mexican, but I'm a white New Mexican. And, you know, my mom's a nurse and my dad's a teacher, so we're middle income, but I still had access to an, a nanny growing up so my mom could continue in her nursing profession. I had access to two high-quality early learning centers so that later when I was in kindergarten diagnosed with dyslexia, you know, I was able to get the extra help to overcome those things. So I wasn't one of the fourth graders who was way below proficiency. And you look at it, 61% of white fourth graders are below proficiency in reading in fourth grade. That's still too much, but the gaps are just, you can't turn a blind eye to that. So I'm not saying that what I had should be taken away. I'm saying that every child should have access to that because none of us are going to advance to our full potential if the most vulnerable of us is not taken care of. Absolutely. And that number of, um, you know, white students is still really, really high. Um, and that's unacceptable for a state as a whole, but to act like there's not a disproportion. So thank you. Definitely. And I, I think one of the other things is like sometimes um, white folks, they don't want to call institutional you know racism for what it is because they think they have something to lose or they benefit inherently from the system as it stands. But that's really short-sighted because when we're not all of us as New Mexicans reaching our fullest potential, you know, we, we're going to fall behind as a state. So it's really in all of our interests that we really look at these issues and ensure that we're making um, that we're providing the opportunity for every child to be healthy and happy. Um, in our state. Absolutely, Jessa. Thank you so much. Jessa, what are some of the next steps for the process for groups who have been advocating for this for years? Well, uh, thank you for asking because we need everybody in, joined in this effort. Um, you can go to a website, uh, the Invest in Kids Now website. It's www.investinkidsnow.org. And you can sign up to be a champion for kids and this will just get us your contact information you can get updates and ways that you can get involved in your local community to help pass this measure this measure will benefit children from every corner of the state 
resources would go to every school district to help support early learning programs in your community. So we definitely need it for everyone to get involved. When this resolution passes, it'll be about $150 million per year for early childhood programs. This will go to adults in our community for employment. This will provide programs. This will provide, you know, this is money that will be reinvested into our community. This is the best um, stimulus package that, that we could possibly have compared to, you know, giving money away to big corporations. This will just have such a huge implication from from every angle. Um, you know, it's not a matter of if this is going to happen, but when. And we are really at a tipping point. We that Though we didn't pass this session, we reached a whole new level, and we are so close to making this happen. So please um, jump on board and help us through the finish line. Thank you so much for those resources, Jessa, and for your advocacy work um, in the past decade. Is there anything else you would like to add? Uh, thank you guys so much for your great journalism. It's much appreciated. Thank you. With Generation Justice, this is Edgar Cruz. Thank you for your time, Jessa. I did not realize how 90% of a child's mind develops before kindergarten. It gives a subjective view of why early childhood education is important in both New Mexico and around the world. We appreciate your work, Jessa. This song is dedicated to the process of teaching children. Here is Slater Kinney with Lions and Tigers. This next song is a soulful narrative of that we all need to hear to know what it means to be a woman of color today. Here is Not Just a Brown Girl by Aranda. I pray for better days. God, please help them see they ain't no different from me. Not above, not beneath. Teach them equality I'm not just a brown girl in the ring. We've come to the end of another hour of resistance. We would like to thank our guests, Jessica Lopez-Collins and Lansena of Strong Families New Mexico, and to Jessica Cowdery of CHI St. Joseph's Children for sharing your work and giving us this legislative update. And thank you to our interviewer, Bayan Jabber, and our social media producer and music host, Malik Jabber. Production assistance came from Kateri Zuni and Roberto Real. And thank you to all of our youth producers. We cannot do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to part past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and so much more. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe and rate us. We're also active on social media, so make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the McCune Foundation. 
Cornell Mahal Foundation, the Albuquerque Community Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. We try to select the best music each week. Coming up is Never Been in Love by Elephant, followed by Get By by Talib Kweli. I'm Ariana Cordova. And I'm Edgar Cruz. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night, Good night. and nos vemos pronto.